Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. All right, I want to continue our series on Fight Club. And uh, I want to talk about Liar Liar. What's next? Pants on fire. They're on fire. That really wasn't very funny. but We're in a fight. We are in a fight. In fact, the New Testament is filled with metaphors about our spiritual life. The, the, the life of following Jesus is a battle. It's a fight. And it's not just... It's not just any fight. It's a fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. There is a fight of faith, and that fight is not against the person sitting next to you. That fight, in fact, the Bible tells us, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's good to remember that. When you're getting angry at that coworker, or you're getting angry at your child or parent, or you're getting angry with fill-in-the-blank political leader, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principality powers and, and, and rulers of darkness. And what's really interesting is in that, in that, that term, uh, that principality powers and rulers, it's, it, it actually implies that it's not, it's not just like a spiritual force out there, somebody, uh, out there somewhere, but it's, it's actually a system of thought that is, that is, that, that is prevalent in the world. And uh, Jesus defines our primary war against the devil as a fight to believe truth over lies. And I, th- I don't think there's, and I want to just throw a plug in. I'm gonna, I've taken a lot of material out of, out of this book. But there is a book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies. If you have not read that book, I would encourage you greatly. I would put that in one of the top, uh, basically in the top five books I've read in the last decade in terms of just addressing what is going on in this, this current cultural moment in our world, which seems a little loony at times, doesn't it? Maybe it's just me. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. You're good, too. <laughs> and uh, we seem to be living in a time where the truth, or what is true, seems to be harder and harder to find out. Or in some cases, it's just like you, you get told something's true and it's just like, but I know that's not true. And Jesus names Satan as the father of lies. He says lies are his native language. It's his, when he speaks lies, he's speaking what's natural. He's the father of lies and there is no truth in him. And First John, John said, Jesus came to undo the devil's work. Well, what's the devil's work? Lies. It's lies. It, he speaks lies. That's all he ever speaks. And so Jesus came to identify and refute the lies of Satan. 
And when we invite Jesus to lead our lives and follow him, he will begin identifying the lies that we have unknowingly embraced. And I want to write... I want to just run this right back to that first statement. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Jesus didn't invite you to dismantle the person next to you. He invites you to build them. He invites you to embrace truth and dismantle the, the, the lies that we have unknowingly embraced. So what is, what is truth? How do we even know what truth is? Well, this is the simple matter. Truth is reality. Truth is what's real. Truth is what you can see and touch. Lies are unreality. And choosing to live in truth means choosing to live in beliefs that correspond with reality in a way that causes us to flourish. In that in that book I referred to, John Mark Comer, he, he writes this. He says, when we believe lies, ideas that are not congruent with the reality of God's wise and loving design, then tragically open our bodies to those lies. We let them into our muscle memories. We allow an ideological cancer to infect our souls. We live at odds with reality, and as a result, we struggle to thrive. This is what happens. When we believe a lie, that part of our life will struggle to flourish. That part of our life will struggle. Dallas Willard says it like this. He says, he says it's because reality does not adjust itself to our illusions. I, my favorite is this. Truth is what punches you in the face. In other words, you can't, you, can't negotiate your, you, you can't negotiate your way around truth. John 8, 47, Jesus said, Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. And living in truth, it depends on, it, it really is a commitment for us to acknowledge there's parts of our life that don't belong to God. And that that Jesus is on a mission to dismantle the untruths in our lives, those areas of us that don't want to listen. Let's all be honest. There's times we don't want to hear the truth. Isn't that just the truth? There's times we don't want to hear the truth. We want to be coddled in our lie. Or we want to be coddled in our untruth. Or we want our untruth to make us comfortable. But here's the problem. Truth punches you in the face. And it, any untruth, living, living in truth depends on, on us recognizing the parts that don't belong to God. The areas of our life that don't want to listen, whether that's about finances. When, you, when we hear what the scripture says, it's more blessed to give than receive. Do we believe that? Or, or is that one area of untruth we'd rather be coddled in? Oh, it got really quiet. Just talk about money. It gets quiet. It might be about our sexuality. Oh, it's going to get quieter. <laughs> I am not going to listen to what God says about my sexuality because I don't believe his word is true. 
might be in how I handled that difficult relationship or that difficult situation. Bless those who curse me. Pray for those who spitefully use me. No, don't want to do it. That's not better. I want to make a Facebook post. (laughs) I caught them out. And then I want all my friends to agree with me. I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I can use Facebook as an example. Isn't this true, though? There's parts of us that we just, it's like we would never say in church, I don't believe that, that the Bible's true. I don't believe that any of this is relevant. I, and I know you don't say it because you're sitting here right now, and that's probably a good indicator that you don't believe that. But there's parts of our lives where in secret, at home, in our spare time, where we start to we start to wonder, do I believe what this says? Or maybe it's when I resort to worry and panic rather than pray. That I believe that my worrying and panic can do more to fix a situation than prayer and trusting. It might be about my own past mistakes. Maybe you're one of those rehearsers. How how many here, you remember stuff you said wrong in a conversation 20 years ago? (laughs) My gosh, what a curse, isn't it? What a curse. You know what it's like to speak up here? (laughs) And every time you say something wrong, you get to relive that in your brain for the next thousand years. And it's recorded. Yeah, I don't, I don't need it recorded. My recorder works pretty good. But you sit there and think, oh, I said that so, the way that came across. And I will, be, I will be laying in bed at night, just about ready to go to sleep. And I will remember something I said three years ago. And, and you know what? I'll feel anxious and worried. That's a lie. That God is not greater than my past mistakes. That my sins and failures now define me and can't be overcome. Well, the Bible says I'm now a new creation. That everything from the past is gone and all things have been made new. Our fight with the devil it's probably not going to be wielded with a crucifix and holy water. Our, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds and our thoughts from captivity to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. Jesus said, John eight thirty two, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And as one philosopher said, yes, but first it will probably make you miserable. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the, the thing is here, it's not, just, it's not just hearing truth, it's knowing truth. It's knowing truth. When you know the truth, the truth known is what leads us into freedom. You say, well, what's the difference between hearing truth and knowing truth? Well, this is the difference. It's the difference between knowing about women and knowing my wife. 
We all know that's a different no. That's a different knowing. Some of y'all just not getting it or I'm just not that funny. Yeah, when it says that Adam knew Eve, it wasn't saying that they filled out a questionnaire about each other. <laughs> there's knowing truth, and then there's knowing truth. There's being intimate with truth. When Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, he was simul- simultaneously he was saying, it's lies and false ideas that keep us in bondage. And he came to liberate us with the weapon of truth. And he was clear, truth can be known. You will know the truth, and the truth will bring freedom to your life. We can know what truth is. Truth is definable. Truth is knowable. Truth is understandable. This is why Jesus came as a teacher. It says he came as a rabbi, a teacher. What's a teacher? A teacher is a truth teller. A a teacher gives us a map to reality. A teacher shows us the way to go. A good teacher shows us how to understand things that we haven't understood before. How many remember that teacher that was like a light bulb went on in your head? Yeah, I had a chemistry teacher who did that for me. Just, it's like that, that chemistry teacher just, and which was funny, is he, was, he was a terrible teacher, actually. <laughs> he was mean, and, and, and he didn't like me. <laughs> but somehow, the way he taught, I got it. You don't always like your teachers. The goal of a good teacher isn't to have a teacher you like all the time. The goal of a, of a teacher is to be somebody who leads you to a place of understanding and truth. A teacher gives us a map to reality, and in doing so, they, they free us to cooperate with how life actually works. A good teacher teaches us how to work with life in reality. I find it funny... I don't find it funny. I find it interesting that we resist and we're, we're slow and skeptical to trust the teachings of sin and other hot topics and hard stuff in Scripture. But for some reason, we seem to be rather quick to believe the teachings of our culture and the, the secular, secular narrative that's around us. In this book, he writes, we think of faith as something for religious people. But all of us live by faith. To have faith in something is to simply live live as if it's true. It means to put your trust in something or someone and remain loyal to it. The question isn't, do we have faith? The question is, what do we have faith in? The psychologist Scott Peck, he wrote in in his book, People of the Lie. He says, how... How is it that some people seem to become pervaded by evil? And he said, the first conclusion is that we could come to is that, well, there's evil people in the world. And the average person hears this and thinks, well, yes, of course, the earth is round. And, but to the scientific community, this is actually breaking a taboo. 
Science is supposed to be objective and unbiased. To claim someone is evil is to believe that good and evil exist. Common sense to most, but scientific heresy to others. But his second and even more interesting conclusion that is that the way people become evil is through lies. His basic thesis was that when we believe lies and then we let those lies into our bodies, tragically, they often become a kind of upside-down shadow of truth. As a psychologist David Benner put, it is not so much that we tell lies that we begin to live them. And you know, if you believe the lie that you're unlovable, you will let that lie creep into your thinking and your actions. And then your life, that lie will begin to shape the reality of your experience, and you will eventually become the kind of person that is unlovable, that becomes unworthy of love, unworthy of respect, and, and you, you, you will begin to alienate your, yourself from the very relationships that you crave. Scott Peck, he, he defined mental health as this, an ongoing process to the dedication, to the dedication of reality, sorry, an ongoing process of dedication to reality at all costs. That's what mental health is. It's, it's being dedicated to, I want to be dedicated to reality or to truth. All right, how are we doing? Matthew 24, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Isn't that encouraging? Well, Jesus, you're supposed to be our prime motivator here. You know, in the New Testament, the, writer, the New Testament writers followed this up with more than 40 warnings about deception. And there, were, there was actually two, two key areas of deception that, were, that, were, um, that the, the New Testament writers addressed. It was especially in areas of sexual immorality and false teaching. And deception is when you believe something, it's not true. But you're unaware of the fact you believe something that's not true. That's what deception is. Deception is not, deception is, I was fooled. Like, somebody told me something. How many of you ever made an investment at the, at the advice of someone else, but you never actually did any research for yourself as to whether or not, you know, the investment was good? But because you trust, you trusted, you know, someone who said, invest in this, this is a good idea. How many people that have done that? How many people have lost their money doing that? All right. Yes, because we were deceived. <laughs> we believed something was true, but we were unaware of the fact it was not. And then you know what happens with truth? It punches you in the face. <laughs> I think that would be a good t-shirt. Truth punches you in the face. Deception is when we believe something that's not true, but we're unaware of the fact that it's not true. Why do we sin? We sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. 
We sin because we believe something will make us happy that is in contradiction to what Jesus said will make us happy. Ignatius of Loyola, he, the, he's the founder of the Jesuit order. He said, sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. And you know, when you look at, when you look at the first lie, the serpent came to Eve with an idea. God is not as good or as wise as he claims to be. He's holding out on you. And if you, if you seize autonomy from God and you do your own thing with me, you will be better off. He lies yet again. You're not just a human being with a place in an ordered cosmos over the creation, but still under the creator. No, you can transgress your limitations and become whoever or whatever you want. Identity is self-defined. Morality is self-determined. Take control of your life and your choices, and you will be like God. This is the first lie. And Satan wasn't just sowing a lie. He was sowing an entire system of thinking based upon a lie. This lie's never changed through all of humanity. This is, we, we still... It, we all have to answer the serpent in the garden. When he says, will you trust what God said is good or will you trust yourself to define what is good? This is the first temptation posed to humanity and we all have to answer the question. And we all have to answer it on a regular basis. These are still Satan's stock and trade lies. Lies about who God is, who we are, and what makes for a happy life. The exact nature of the lie changes from generation to generation, culture to culture, and person to person, but they always run along these lines. Distance yourself from God, do your own thing, redefine good and evil based on your own gut and desire. So how do we fight the good fight for truth? How do we fight the good fight for truth? Well, the first thing is listen to the truth. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to, you know, raising kids, it's just, listen to me. And the kids are talking, and you're just like, shut up and listen. <laughs> so I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to tell you. Listen to truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, what, he didn't say, I am a way. I've come to tell you some truths, and it might give you a life. He said, I am incarnate truth. If Jesus says it, it's truth. And they, they said, and he finished that, no one comes to the Father except through me. He came, us, he came as a teacher to teach us. To teach us what? The way to life. He came to teach us. He came to show us the way to the Father. And when listening to truth means when what Jesus says is hard, 
Instead of rationalizing, we need to let ourselves sit in that tension and ask ourselves, why do I not want to accept what he said? What is it in me that rejects what I'm hearing in this moment? And if, you, if nothing comes to mind, just start with the Sermon on the Mount and start reading. And, and it'll take you like three verses to, for you to start reading that and say, this, this is hard. Sit in that tension and ask ourselves, why do I not want to accept what he said? Why do I think this is wrong? Or why do I think what he said is wrong? Listen to truth. Take the time to learn what Jesus said. Listen and study. Pray. Reflect. Listen to truth. It's how we, it, it's how we start. It's how we start the fight for truth. The other, another, another thing, and I think this is, I, I think this is actually relevant in every generation, but uh, uh, particularly, I think right now, more than ever, is limit sources of untruth. Limit sources of untruth. And this is hard because we all like to be entertained, don't we? Like, do you like the latest series on fill-in-the-blank? But what I've discovered is that, you know, there seems to be an agenda coming through a lot of TV series more and more and more. It's like, this isn't just, like, subtle. This is overt. That this is, this is directly opposing what, what Jesus says. This is directly opposing what the Bible instructs us. Limit sources of untruth. You know, if, if all you watch is... If all you watch is shows where relationships are temporary and dysfunctional or, you know, filled, filled with, you know, one-night stands, non-committed, you, you may, in your mind, you may say, well, I, I know that's not best. But the thing is, what you continually expose yourself to is what is shaping the way you think. And what you will find is like you don't you don't break down you don't break down a huge concrete wall with well, you do break it down with dynamite, but if you if if you don't have dynamite, you know what you do? You chip away at it and you chip away at it and you chip away at it. And the first week the first year, you might chip away, not that much has disappeared. But after years of that, of that chipping, pretty soon that wall will be broken down. And you know, the things that we expose ourselves to, we might, we might convince ourselves, well, well, I know this isn't, this is, I know that I don't agree with this, or I know I don't agree with that. But what you find is that over the, over the years, it begins to change you. And it isn't always subtle, or sometimes it's subtle, <laughs> but much of what we're watching is driven by an ideological agenda that is directly opposed to the teachings of Christ. 
All right, and the last point, and this is, this is an interesting one, is live in healthy community with those committed to living in truth. Not just healthy community. A healthy community is important. Just, you know what? Just fun relationships are actually important. But relationships with people committed to growing and learning truth is the, and, and, and truth, when I say truth, I'm not talking about just learning the Bible. I'm talking about being committed to reality, being committed to truth, being committed to how, what really is. And there's, it's interesting, if you read the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, when it started, they based it off of a, they actually based it off of a Christian program that was dedicated to people living in truth and community. That's the whole basis. There hasn't been a program ever since that has come close to the effectiveness. And there was, there's five points. I can't remember what all, all five are, but the first one is a, is, um, a relentless commitment to reality. The second was a relentless commitment to being truthful. And then the third was a relentless commitment to community. That these are, that, that these, this, this is like three of the five main points as to what made this program so successful and has still continued to this day to be, to be successful in helping people is that it's like we, we need to be committed to truth. A relentless commitment to truth. A relentless commitment to be with people who will tell the truth. Listening to a message recently, someone said, this is the spinach in the teeth people. These are the people who will tell you, you got spinach in your teeth. We don't need people who say you look great. And then you walk away with spinach in your teeth. You need people who will tell you, hey, you got some spinach in your teeth. And we need to be the people. The relentless commitment to community is, I need to be the person who can says, I didn't want to hear that, but I'm thankful that you were willing to say it. And when it comes to our lives, we need people who we've given permission to say, hey, spinach, deal with it and call our spinach out. Call the things out that, hey, something is wrong here. Hey, your attitude, it's, it's not Christ-like at all. And we have this, we have this re- commitment that we can be correct. We change in community. In fact, they say through the pandemic that uh, the drug overdose and suicides outnumber COVID deaths. And why was that? Well, because we obviously do have a problem with drug usage in our culture. But it's more than that. We put everybody alone by themselves and said, deal with all your stuff. Here's some drugs. And that's what happens when we're by ourselves. I mean, when we look back, we all recognize that when we're alone, it's not good. It's not good. It's the first thing we see God looking at Adam and saying, it is not good for that guy to be by himself. That sucker, he is going to get himself in a pickle. I need to give him a helper. Actually, that term helper for woman actually means a rescuer. I need to, 
Yeah, you wonder, all the women are like, that's no revelation to me. <laughs> that dude need rescuing? Did he ever need rescuing? But that's actually what we're called to be. We're called to be the rescuers. Flying on our albatross through the sky. Okay, I'm over time. That wasn't funny, was it? It was a terrible joke. It was a terrible joke. Pastor, you're over time and you're telling terrible jokes. Let's stand to our feet. That commi the commitment to live in healthy community because we call out untruth in each other. In fact, the people around you probably know your untruths better than you know your untruths. And it's the willingness to listen and learn and explore together and grow together is where we learn, we, we grow in truth together. So Father, I pray that you would help us to, to walk in truth. That you would help us to, to see where we believe untruths and that we would walk in your truth we just pray this let's just pray this together lord would you lead me into reality into your truth would you lead me into your plan into your purpose for my life and where i have believed untruths about myself about you about the world around me I pray that you would lead me into truth. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.